You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Amen. Let's pray as we open up God's word uh, this morning. Father, our prayer is sincere and our prayer is simple today. Make the song that we just heard, that we just sang, come alive in our hearts. May we know today, God, that you are real. May we know that you are close. May your word be applied to the very nature of our beings today as we understand who you are and what you mean to us as believers. Thank you for this awesome privilege of worshiping you, God. Thank you for the privilege of opening up your word with your people. Oh, God, we long for a greater encounter with you today. May it be so. May it be so and all God's people said together. Amen. Amen. This is the greatest reality we know. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that sweet? It's not just a truth we need to know this morning. It's a reality we long to know. This is the greatest reality we have as believers. The Lord, the King of the universe, he's not just anybody's shepherd. If you've professed faith in Jesus, he's my shepherd today. He's your shepherd. Because we have him, we don't want or need anything else. We have it all in God and his son, Jesus Christ. Every provision you need comes from him. He provides for your every spiritual and physical need. He gives your soul rest. But get this, he doesn't just provide for you. He guides you through this life. This is the greatest reality as believers. We don't just have a God who's distant from us. He's close to us and he guides us every step of the way, all the way home. My shepherd is so, so sweet. Psalm 23, you know where we are. If you don't have a Bible, stick your hand up. One of our ushers will be more than happy to get you a copy of God's word. I'm just gonna walk you through the next few verses of Psalm 23 today. Verse 3b and 4 is all we're gonna get to because it's so filled with hope for us. It's so filled with promise. It's all that we need. He's all that we need. Look what it says here. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you're taking notes, write this down. I have a shepherd to guide me. I have a shepherd to guide my life. Here's what a shepherd does. A shepherd just doesn't give and give and give to a sheep. A shepherd is with his sheep. A shepherd guides his sheep. A shepherd walks with his sheep. A shepherd goes before his sheep. And a shepherd guides his sheep in the right path, in the good path, in the paths of righteousness. Shepherds lead the sheep. We as God's people are not called to lead God as we sometimes get it all mixed up. We are called to be Christ's followers were called to get behind the shepherd and let him lead us along good paths of righteousness. The shepherd leads, he leads. What's a good path of righteousness? A good path of righteousness is the, the moral uprightness that God's designed us to live by, but it's also this. It's also good paths, paths that are good for your life. The shepherd with sheep Scouts ahead of the sheep. The shepherd goes before the sheep, inspecting the path, looking for traps, looking for animals, and then leads his sheep. And get this, the shepherd never leads his sheep ever, ever, ever on wrong paths or bad paths. It's always the good path and the right path for our lives. Seems like an easy enough concept for us, but let's be honest. Let's be honest this morning. We struggle at best sometimes with this innate desire to be the leader of the shepherd. But let's not forget, brothers and sisters, that we, not just you, we are foolish sheep and need a shepherd. We are like Dory off of Finding Nemo when it comes to living our lives. No sense of direction, no sense of discernment. Here's how sheep operate in life. Sheep can be led to a good pasture, and here's what they do. They have a good lush pasture in front of them, and they're like, ah, let's go find the barren place. Lots of water here, but ah, let's go over here and see what's over here. Even when they put their mouth to the ground, here's what sheep do in a lush pasture. They eat that grass and they chomp on that grass until even the root is gone and then they are left with barrenness and emptiness. And so constantly, constantly, what do sheep need? It's not just a want thing. What do sheep need? We need, sheep need a shepherd. They're essential to the welfare of sheep. And as long as we are in close proximity to the shepherd, here's what we have, assurance of provision and assurance of guidance. I find it uncanny that God used this illustration of sheep and shepherd for our lives because I admit today, I am just like a sheep. And constantly do I need a shepherd to bring me back and to lead me and to guide me. God is our good shepherd. Do you understand this? You need a guide through life. You can't do it on your own. It's physically impossible to get through this life on your own. You need a guide. I need a guide. I shared with you a lot about my trip to Israel in the past. And one of the greatest things about our trip to Israel, what made it so rich and so rewarding four years ago is this. We had a guide to lead us from the time we got to the airport to every, every place we went to and all the way home. 
And so when I was asked to go on this trip, it was one of the former elders from Oakville, Tim Dowdell, and he, he called me up. He said, ever been to Israel? Never been to Israel. And, and he's like, well, I want to take you to Israel with, with three other couples, with a couple other couples, and there was four couples total. And he's like, all you have to do is say yes, and I'll take care of the rest. I said, that sounds like a good plan. So what do I do? He's like, here's the bill. Pay the bill. Get to the airport. And man... I was a little nervous to go to Israel, to be honest. There's war all around, right? Israel, Palestine, and, and I don't know the language, Hebrew and Arabic. I don't know that language, and, and I don't know where to go and where not to go. And so I showed up at the airport a little timid, and, and we got there. Tim had a big smile on his face, like, don't worry. I've been here like seven times. Here's your itinerary. We had it all mapped out, corresponding with the biblical pastors to where we were going to visit. And he's like, you just, you just stay with me, and we're good. And quite honestly, he's a little smaller than I am. I didn't take my eyes off that little fella. <laughs> but the whole time we were there, we get in the, the, the car, and I realize this is a foreign land. Like, everyone's speaking a language. I have no idea. I, I wouldn't know how to get to A to B. There's, there's signs, and one of the signs quickly we saw was, was it's a minefield right here. Tim's like, oh, yeah, by the way, don't go in there. We're going on this one road, and, and there's big fences, and there's a little off-road. I'm like, what's over there? And he's like, you know what that sign says in Hebrew or Arabic? I'm not sure what. She's like, it basically says to Jews, if you go on this road, you will die. You'll get shot. I'm like, I'm sticking with you, buddy. Had all our hotel accommodations figured out and what food to eat and not eat. Oh, my goodness. And, and all the way, the whole trip, and all the way to the airport, then all the way home. We had a God. I realize that that is just like our life. We don't like to acknowledge that. We sometimes don't think about it often. But oh my goodness, do we need a guide telling us where to stop for spiritual food, telling us what paths to take and what paths not to take. Without a guide, we will die for sure. So Psalm 23 tells us so clearly, Psalm 23 tells us this is God's role. He leads me in paths of righteousness, paths that are right to him and good for us. And the reality is when Jesus saves us, he just doesn't just, just sign us up for the trip of life and say, okay, now get going, see how you do. He promises to be our guide. This is the privilege of being a Christ follower. We have a guide. I know you're probably thinking that sounds great, that sounds great, but how does God lead me? I need to know that if this is true, how does God lead me? I'm glad you thought that question and I discerned that question in your heart because I had some answers for you this morning. God leads us. How does he lead us in paths of righteousness? Here's four ways that God leads us. I always know this. I get this question most often as a pastor. How does God lead me? I want to know God's leading. I just want to know God's leading. I want to make sure I'm behind the shepherd. I want to make sure. I want to make sure. We stress, we stress, we stress. God made it very simple for us. How do we know we're being led by the Lord? First is this, through his word. Through his word, we can't be Christ followers and not love and grab a hold of the word of God. Listen to Psalm 119, verses 105. Thy word, God's word, is a lamp unto my feet. You know the rest, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my... It's God's word. So often we think God's word is going to light up the whole path for us all the way to heaven. And yet, and we think of God's word like, like the picture here. We think of it as, as, as lighting up the whole thing. And, and, and it's going to be so clear for my whole life. And here's how God's word often is. It's a, it's a lamp onto my path, right? It's a lamp. Think old school lamp. What was a lamp? It was like one step at a time, just making sure you're walking in the ways of the Lord. Here's how we know we're following the Lord ultimately. We get so confused and so mixed up and so on, all kinds of other things. First and foremost, God's word leads us. Here's God's main will for our lives, to walk in his ways, 
to walk in truth, to walk in righteousness. How do we know that? We know that by the word of God. We take that word and we put it before our feet and we're like, hey God, is this the right step? Yes, it is, if it's according to the word of God. One famous pastor says this, James McDonald says this, God's word is God's will. It's the word of God. How else does God speak to us? How do shepherds speak to sheep? It's through his voice. John chapter 10, verses three to four, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. We have a good shepherd that just doesn't like lead us through like pointing. We have a good shepherd who has a voice that we can hear through the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives us a spirit that we can hear his voice and discern his voice. And the more, more you walk with God, you sure learn how to differentiate between that still, sweet voice of the Lord and your own voice of the flesh. Clearly, you can't mistake the voice of the Lord as a sheep of the Lord. Sounds subjective, doesn't it? I hear this point misused often by believers. Well, it's just the voice of the Lord, and it's just a me and God thing, and I heard his voice, and, and so, so what's your next decision then? It seems like here's the word of God, but I've heard the voice of God, and the voice of God leads me over here, even though the word of God is here. <clears throat> Incorrect. The voice of the Lord always leads in the ways of God by the word of God. Amen? How many outs have I heard of that? Well, I know you say the word of God says this, Pastor, but the Lord's speaking to me. Well, if he's speaking to you and telling you to leave your husband or sleep with your girlfriend, that isn't the voice of the Lord. Oh, but the Lord told me I need to, like, sacrifice my family just to make some money, make some money for God. That's not the voice of the Lord. Actually, Pastor, the Lord led me to share my mind with you today and give you a piece of it. Can I give you a piece of God's mind? That's not the mind of the Lord. That's yours. But it's a holy jealousy I have in my heart and not the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord always leads us in what is right and purity and holiness and keeping our mouth closed at the right times and opening at the right times is speaking truth and love and making choices that reflect and honor God. He speaks to us by the voice of the Lord. Not always easy, but absolutely right 100% of the time. It aligns with the word of God. He also speaks to us through his people. How does God lead me? How does God lead me? He speaks, he leads us through other godly people in our lives where there is no guidance, it says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, A people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And it smashes this whole, it's like me and God, me and God. Is that the holy trump card? Isn't it? Everybody around us is saying, well, don't do it, don't do it. Well, God spoke to me. What do you say to that? But everybody else in your life who loves you and cares for you and is weeping for you right now says, don't do it. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you. Here's a good piece of advice for you. Listen to those around you who love you. It's never wise to... I'm over here, everybody else over here, small group, pastors, fellow believers, family members. It's never wise to go this way when everybody else is saying to go this way. But they didn't hear the voice of the Lord. Maybe they did and you didn't. 
Here's the wiser decision to make as you will seek God's leading. Even if it feels contrary to your feelings and contrary to what you think you should do, go with those people that God has given you to help you live this life. We'd be so much better off if we could get out of this. It's me and God mentality, and it's, it's, it's got an us mentality. That's how God leads us. Here's the last one. God leads us through his sovereignty. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Oh, we're so good at planning our ways, but get this, the Lord establishes his steps. How do we know God's leading? Sometimes, sometimes God's leading is just determined by circumstances, by God's sovereign design. But I've been pounding on this door, and I've been pounding on this door, and it's not opening, so I'm going to take a good run at it right now, and I'm going to go for it. Bad idea. God leads us by opening the right doors and closing the right doors. And it's always wise to follow the doors that God opens and closes, God's sovereign design for your life. We sometimes find ourselves in circumstances and we don't know, is this God's leading? Is this God's leading? If you're here, then God has put you in that place. Didn't plan on moving, but the opportunity came at just the right time. Might be God's leading. Open doors, closed doors, people in and out of our lives, easy and difficult seasons. God promises to lead us through his word, through his voice, through his people, through his sovereignty. You know what this, you know what this verse alone does? It just releases us from the burden of self-dependence and self-reliance. It's a burden, it's exhausting, and it often ends up in bad places. But it releases us to trust that we have a good shepherd to lead and guide our lives. Any amens for that? I don't know you, but I find this encouraging, <laughs> extremely. Oh, I don't know what to, trust a good shepherd. What if, what if, what if, ever stay awake, what if, what if, what if, but forget we have a good shepherd to lead us and to guide us. Big decisions, big decisions, big decisions, don't know, don't know, don't know. The shepherd's not gonna ever leave you hanging, ever. You can take comfort and let your anxiety and your overwhelming reality of trying to control your own life and manipulating things to go your way. You can let that go and let the shepherd lead and determine this today. I'm just going to follow. It's freedom. It's joy. It's happiness in Christ. And you can know this, that he's going to lead you not just part of the journey, not just quarters of the journey, but all the way home. Why does he lead us? It says this right here. He leads me in paths of righteousness, getting a sense of how freeing and awesome that is. God leads me. He's in control. He's got it. For his name's sake. It's not even ultimately for our good. Why is God's goodness exacted in our lives in these ways we've been reading about in Psalm 23? His provisions and his, his, his green pastures and his still waters and his restoration, his, his guidance. Why does he do this? Because we're so important and we're the center of the universe? Not at all. Sorry to burst your bubble. Why does he do it? For his name's sake, that the world would see the glory of his name, that the world would see the glory of his son. Everything God does in our lives is ultimately for our good, but most importantly, for his glory. You, like me, don't understand oftentimes why God does stuff. 
We don't have the answers. We have the Bible verses we can quote and the little sayings off Pinterest and Twitter, but ultimately it comes down to, I, I don't know. But we do know this. It's for our good and his. In all things that the world will see God in a real way. Let me ask you this before we move on to point number two. Are you truly letting the good shepherd lead you? Are you being a Christ follower? Are you fighting that battle and trying to get ahead of him and lead him through this life? Oh, that we would all learn to be followers of the shepherd by God's help, through his spirit, by his grace. God leads me. Guess what else this verse points out for us, which is so freeing? God's presence, as he leads us, drives out all fear of darkness. God's presence, as he leads us, drives out all fear of darkness. Look at the next verse here. So impactful, so meaningful. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. First thing I did as I read this passage when I got my new Bible a number of years ago, I wrote this beside this verse, no fear, God is here. No fear, God is here. This is our ultimate comfort as believers. This is really telling us that, that, that even when I walk through the most difficult, dark circumstances of life that we will all walk through, I have no reason to fear because my shepherd, my God, my Lord promises to walk me, not around, not over, but through the valley of the shadow of even death. This verse is actually not even a predominantly funeral passage. This verse primarily speaks of the shepherd's ability to protect his sheep by staying near to them in moments of danger, moments of valleys. You mean the shepherd leads the sheep through valleys? Well, how dare he do that? What kind of shepherd does that? A good shepherd does that. Actually, the valleys are where the sheep bedded down in the winter. They were actually lush with lots of water. And so they'd bed down in the valleys for the winter and then they'd go up to the, 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 the mountaintops of the pastures during the summer and the valleys were lush and they were fruitful but here's the, here's the deal, the, they, were, they, were, they were dark, the sun couldn't get in so there was dark shadows and, and things lurching in the shadows. There was animals in the caverns down there and the shepherds always had to be on his guard. The storms would swoop in and sometimes the, the, the valley would get flooded. Sometimes, even it wasn't just the valley in the winter, sometimes the sheep mowed down all of the green pasture, and so the next green pasture was over there. The only way to get from here to there was through the valley of the shadow of death, from one green pasture to the next. Often comes the valley of the shadows of life and also the shadows of death. First time this particular phrase is used in the Old Testament, actually, the valley of the shadow of death. Notice they're not running through the valley. They're not cowering in the valley. What are they doing? They're confidently walking through the valley. The original language, this term means this, to overshadow, to darken. It signifies a shadow of death as an example or an adjective of the most fearful darkness found possible. 
The valley in Old Testament is related to Hades in Job chapter 10, 21, the darkness of hell itself. It's related to the mine, a mine shaft in Job 28, 3, or, or often related to a, a wild and uninhabited desert in Jeremiah 2, 6. It's this picture of not just death, it's this picture of walking through those darkest moments of life. Guess what? The shepherd is with you. Not just in death, but also in the dark moments of life. Oh, let's stop fooling ourselves, brothers and sisters. Christians go through the valleys of the shadow of death all the time. God never promised us just mountaintops, but he did promise us this. He'd be with us in the darkest of times. Picture your darkest of time here on earth in a physical sense. Can you, can you picture in your head? Maybe it was your kid and you're in, in, in your room at night and there's no lights and it's pitch black. For me, it was as a kid, we went on, my dad thought it was a good idea to take us on these cave tours in Pennsylvania. Got on a boat when it's still sunny, you could see the light and as we go through the cave, there's light in the boat and all of a sudden the guy goes like, anyone claustrophobic? And like hand shot up, he's like, okay, hold on to your dad's hand. Lights went out, it was so dark, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. Terrifying! Even they talk about it, I get shivers. <laughs> Isn't it true that sometimes we go through dark valleys? That it is so dark, it doesn't feel like you can see your hand in front of your face. What do we do in those times? What do we do? Oftentimes we run. We start screaming, where's God? Where's God? Can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. He must not be here. Not just in death we go through those things, it's life as well. Death of a relationship as we walk through life. Death of a dream, death of a hope that you thought was going to happen, it didn't. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it is your deathbed or someone that you love has passed on and man, that is the darkest shadow you could have ever imagined. You didn't know how dark it was going to be and, and, and and you can't see in front of your face. Sometimes even believers go through darkness where it's just dark and you can't pinpoint why. And it's so hard. What do you do? Here's what you do. You know these two things. The valley of the shadow of death is just as much a part of God's plan for your life as the green pastures and the quiet waters. And I don't stand here today and pretend to know all the answers. I know the big question is why. Why, why, why? I don't know why. One day we're all going to figure it out when we stand before Jesus and we're like, uh-huh. But know this, God doesn't promise us all sunny skies. He says there's going to be valleys. Don't be shocked, brothers and sisters, when you come into a valley. Well, God can't be good anymore, and I guess it's true, it's all false. That's the falsest thing you could ever believe. Sometimes God allows us to walk through the valleys. Somehow it ends up being for our good and his glory. I could give you all the pithy answers this morning. I can give you all the right answers, but, but I know that ultimately we know it's for our good and God's glory. Here's the second thing you can know that God does ordain these times. Maybe to see him in a greater way, maybe to grow strong, maybe, maybe just 
that you'll long after God again. Because here's the second thing as we go through these valleys, God promises one thing and one thing alone. He promises he's going to be with us. Remember last week, this, it's all I need, right? That's what he promises us. He will be with us. I want you to notice this from the text. Look at verses one to three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look what it says in verse two. He makes me, he leads me, he restores me, he leads me. Then look at verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for what? It's not a he anymore, it's a you. See that? Not this guy over here, it's you. You, you, my God, you're with me. Your rod and your staff. That's not an accident that that shift happened. It's to remind you that even if it's dark, even if it's dream, you can't see your hand in front of your face, you, God being your God, your shepherd, your king, your savior, your life is with you and his rod, your rod and your staff, they will comfort you. We go through the dark times, here's what we need to know, simply this, is that God is with us. You might not be able to see him, you might not be able to feel him, been there, done that. But it doesn't mean that he's forgotten you. It doesn't mean that you've wandered beyond his care. It doesn't mean that he's preoccupied with other sheep. It means that we just, by faith, trust that even though all of our faculties can't understand it, he is with us. Here's where our brains have to take precedence over our emotions. And the darker the shadow, the closer the Lord The darker the shadow, the closer the Lord. And and fear no longer has to be a part of our vocabulary, even though as believers it's going to crop up more often, we like to admit. It doesn't any longer have to be part of our vocabulary, not because we have such great faith and we're going to now be such strong believers, but because our shepherd, remember it's all about the shepherd, promises to never leave us or forsake us, even in the most difficult seasons of life. This is the power of the gospel. Even if it's our death, what's the worst that could happen in this life? It's death, right? But even the power of the gospel, Jesus has saved us to walk us through this life and he's ultimately gonna walk us right out of this life and into the next. So even in death, we have nothing to fear even though we sometimes still do. But what about my loved ones and what about the things that I'm leaving behind and the things I didn't get to accomplish. And what about, what about, what about? I've never been before. I don't know. I don't know what it's like. No one's been and come back and told me. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 shows a travel brochure of heaven. And guess what? Jesus promises to be our guide to get to the hope of the gospel. And if we have Jesus, this is only a, this is only a promise for believers, just so you know. It's not a blanket, hey, you have no fear in death. If you don't have Jesus, there should be great fear in death. The darkness of Hades is just as real as the brightness of heaven. But if we have Jesus, here's what, here's what Margaret Colson says, Oh, death, oh, grave, I do not fear your power because the debt is paid on Jesus. In that dark and dreadful hour, our sins were laid. 1 Corinthians 15, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, where, where? What's the worst that could happen in this life? It's death, but even in death, our shepherd is going to lead us through. We have nothing to fear. Amazing that just a few short weeks ago, I got to experience this firsthand with a family in our church. One Friday morning, I don't remember the exact date, I went to the hospital to visit a family in our church whose mother was 
just going through cancer treatments and not doing very well. And so we went in and prayed with her and, and we had a nice time together. And on the way out, the doctor came and met the son and I on the way out. And uh, unfortunately, the doctor didn't have good news that day. He basically said, you know, your mom's just been through cancer treatment. She's very weak. Her kidneys are failing. She's bleeding out constantly. That's where the blood is. And she's bleeding out constantly. We, we wanted to sign a DNR. I do not resuscitate. And how hard is it to hear those words for your, someone you love? Because she goes into cardiac arrest, which could happen. Like, there's just there's, there's nothing more we can do. And so I stood there and cried and said a prayer and went home kind of praying and went to the office kind of praying and still wrestling with these things. Around 8 o'clock that night, um, got a call. I was in the pool with the kids. Got a call. You better come. This looks like it's the last hour. So I got out and got dressed, went to the hospital and um, went into a room that was a room that I've been to before where death is happening and everyone's around the bed. People are coming and going. There's tears. There's sweet things being said and sweet moments being together. And as we uh, were sharing those moments, the nurse came in and basically said, you know, um, obviously the family in our church and the mother were believers. And the nurse said, you know, this is uh, hard to do, but I'm going to turn the blood supply off. And that's what was keeping her going. And you pull the stuff out and, you know, you take your time. And when it happens, just come and get me. So we stayed and that quiet solitude of, if you've never been there, I can't even describe it. It just is what it is. And uh, a little bit into the silence, the son that was in our church pulled out his cell phone and he put uh, Just Give Me Jesus on by Danny Gokey and said on his mom's chest and said, this song's got me through and played that song, Just Give Me Jesus and powerful. And this song turned into uh, Amazing Grace and then Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, a song that got her through her cancer treatments. It ended up being a little worship service, the most beautiful thing I've been a part of in my whole life. Even people who weren't believing were singing. The spirit was there. It was sweet. I said a prayer for the lady and the family and basically asked that God would be your shepherd all the way home. You don't generally pray those prayers until it's time because you, you don't want to mess that one up. Went home, still praying. Eight o'clock in the morning, the phone call came and it wasn't the final phone call. It was just the son still grappling with it all, prayed again and prayed hard. And uh, a couple hours later, 10 o'clock, the phone rang again. I thought, okay, this is it. I was on standby, ready to go. And you know, the other side of the phone was a, 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 a voice of like, wasn't expecting. It was instead of the sad voice, it was like, you'll never believe what happened. We told our kids, came to the hospital and my mom is better than she's been in the last month and a half. If I wasn't there, I wouldn't have believed it myself. And I was like, What? In my mind, I'm like, this can't be a bad joke. It's true. And bottom line is this. That wasn't the day for, wasn't the, the day for a going home party. It was a miracle. The doctors are still calling uh, Gladys Reed the miracle lady. And Shane's still giving, rejoicing to the Lord for all that he did in his mom's life. And we can't believe it. And she might even be here today. I don't know. Awesome, but the reality is sometimes it works like that and sometimes it doesn't work like that at all. Sometimes, sometimes it is the going home party, but here's the reality, whether it's like the miracle at the other end or it's a going home party, here's the reality. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? We have no evil to fear. There's gonna be evil, it could be scary. We have nothing to fear. Why? Because our shepherd goes before us, he walks with us, and he even comes behind us. Amen. This is the hope of believers. Peace of God. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. 
Corey Ten Boom said this, in darkness, God's truth shines most clear. In the darkness, God's truth shines most clear. This is why we are so enamored with Jesus Christ, because he's the only one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. He's the only one. He is it. He is our peace. He is our hope. He is our assurance. He is our confidence. He is everything in life and in death. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need or want anybody else. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. No one else might be with you. Don't have to worry about it. The one will be with you. Even that day, that it's your last day here on earth, there's going to be one with you. It's going to take you from this life to next. You are with me. You are with me. This is the passage that gives us such confident assurance. Death is not a reality for believers. It's but a shadow. It just, it's just but a shadow. It's just but a shadow. Here's the third and final point. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's active care gives me confident assurance. Here's David's confidence in life. It wasn't in him, himself. It wasn't his ability to, to get a little slingshot out and kill Goliath and whatever else. His confidence in life was his God. David was confident in the Lord's protection and the Lord's direction. Never will David, never will sheep find themselves in situations where the Lord is unaware or unengaged in our lives. Here's what the rod and the staff are. They're symbols of God's gracious and sovereign care. The rod is for protection. The shepherd had two instruments. It was a, not a shotgun. He had a rod. He had a big stick that he'd lean on to watch over his sheep that he'd use as a walking stick that he'd even turn that thing into a weapon when an animal came. What would he do? He, he'd get in between the sheep and the wolf and he'd turn that rod into a whacking stick to beat the wolf over the head with. Interestingly enough, that same rod that the shepherd used to defend the sheep was also a rod of discipline for the sheep. As you know, sheep are wanderers, and sometimes the shepherd had to give a little bit of a just on the backside to keep them in line to remind them that, hey, I'm here, I'm here, stay on the right path, stay on the right path. Just like in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, the father who loves his kid disciplines his kids, so God who loves his children disciplines his children. It's not a, an angry discipline. It's not a, a vengeful discipline. It's a discipline to keep his kids on the right path. That's what the rod is for, dual purpose, protect the sheep and fend off the wolves and also sometimes give the sheep a little what for what they need. Who doesn't need that once in a while? Correction. Then on the other hand, he had a staff, and the staff was, was just like this. You're the picture, a staff of guidance and rescue. It was a picture of a, a, long with a, a long stick with a crook on the end, and this staff was also equally important. He had the, the, the stick here to guide him. A sheep got out on a ledge. What would he do? He, shepherd couldn't have the ledge. He'd, he'd pull the staff out and put him around the, the neck and just kind of guide him back. Sheep got too far ahead. The shepherd would grab his staff and pull him back a little bit too far behind and reach behind him and pull him in. Sometimes there's a little like tap here, tap there. The, sh the, the, the staff was so important to the shepherd. A sheep would fall into a hole. Shepherd would, would be right behind him with the staff, just kind of hooking it around his belly and pulling him out of the hole. Guidance and protection, the ways that God promises to guide and protect us as we walk through life. 
Our shepherd also carries a big stick. Our shepherd also carries a staff. For us, for our lives, it's our confident assurance. Oh, I don't need a shepherd. I can do it. I can do it. You can't do it. You know those, those, those long, dark nights? Maybe you've had them recently. I know I have those long, dark nights where you just feel like the enemy is all over you. You can almost smell his breath. You can almost feel him touching you. You know those long, dark nights? And you feel like you're getting a beating. You can be assured of this. On the other end of that beating is another beating that's coming, and it's going to be a bigger beating than you're getting ever, every time. You might smell the breath of the wolf, but he's never going to get you. You know why? Because the shepherd has a big stick that he beats the wolves away. I can't defend myself. You can't. You are not your defender, but you have a defender. And it says in John 10 that the, the enemy will never snatch a sheep out of the master's arms. You can be rest assured of that. The Lord will fight your battles. He will beat off the enemies. He will beat them off. He will beat them off. You don't have to. You just get on your face and look for the shepherd. He will beat them off. He will also, once in a while, discipline you with that same rod. Ooh, here we go, pastor, the big mean. It's not the big mean sermon. This is it. This is true. This is real. This is what we need, oftentimes. Your pastor, once in a while, needs a little bit of a, by the Lord. Not one to harm you, but one to help you, one to help me. If you think you're beyond discipline, you are way too proud to be in this place with this group of people because we all need a shepherd to discipline us, to convict us, to point us out we're wrong, to, to help us realize that we, are so, we thought we we're on the right path. We're so far off. And, and how does he do that? Sometimes the rod of discipline. Here's what you can do. You can be thankful that God loves you enough to discipline you. Just like us as, as, as dads in this room, we only discipline our kids. God only disciplines his kids. I'd never discipline your kids. That's weird. Don't discipline my kids, that's wrong. Unless I give you the authority, then you can do it. Why do we discipline our kids? Because we love them? Because we want to keep them on the straight and narrow? That's why the, the, the good shepherd disciplines us, that we'll go on the straight and narrow all the way home. You can also be assured of this, that that staff, that shepherd staff, he's used that in your life more times than you even know. I wonder if the sheep even know the shepherd has a staff. You ever wondered that? They're really not smart. I wonder if they'd be like on the edge of a cliff going like, ah, oh, look at that. Or deep down in the hole going like, ah, I'm going to get my way out. Also, I did it. <laughs> Starting to lag behind and ah, look at me, I'm at the pack now. You can be assured of this in your life, that every hole you fall in, the shepherd's going to be there to pick you out. It's not too deep. It's not too dark. The shepherd's going to be there to gently lift you out. You can be assured of this. Every time you're going to step over the edge of that sinful choice and you're, and you're, you're just going to fall to your death, you know what the shepherd's going to do before you fall to your death? Because he never loses one of his sheep. He's going to grab you and he's going to pull you back. That's not a license. Like, let's see if it works. Don't do that, please. That's just silly. Dumb would be a good word. But he loves you that much. Your shepherd loves you that much. You start running ahead. He lovingly pulls you back. You start lagging behind. He's going to make sure you're with the pack. That's the care of a good shepherd. That's our shepherd. That's our shepherd. Awesome, isn't it?
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will, you will, because we have a good shepherd, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's never been about you and I. Ah, thank the Lord. It's always been about the good shepherd. That song we sang earlier in the service the worship team did, I played that to put myself to sleep every single night of my sabbatical without exception, sometimes two and three times. So powerful, don't we need it? I'm not alone. It's not what we need, it's what we long for, what we have in Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, you're the richest person on the planet because you have Christ. Here's another song that's meant so much to me. Let me read this and then I'm gonna pray and the worship team's gonna come. It's a song called this, Hills and Valleys by Torrin Wells. Let it speak to your heart. If you're in that valley today, let this speak to your heart. Meaningful, I've walked among the shadows, you wiped away my tears. I felt the pain of heartbreak and I've seen the brighter days and I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place. And I have held your blessings, God, you give and take away. No matter what I have, your grace is enough. No matter where I am, I'm standing in your love. On the mountains, I will bow my life to the one who set me there. In the valley, I'll lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. When I'm standing on the mountain, I didn't get there on my own. When I'm walking through the valley, I know I'm not alone. You are the God of the hills and valleys hills and valleys, God of the hills and valleys, and I am not alone. I've watched my dreams get broken and you I hope again, no matter what I know. I'm safe inside your hands. Father, you give and take away every joy and every pain. Through it all, you will remain over it all. On the mountains, I will bow my life. In the valley, I will lift my eyes. Psalm 23 is not some sentimental, overused poem for the weak and lowly. It's a sweet song to the heart of every believer. A poem that stirs the soul. A story that never gets old and is relived every single day of our lives. It's real and it's relevant. As real and relevant as it was on the day it was penned by the psalmist David. This is our story as believers. Let me pray. Father, as we close our service today, we pray that you would make this truth that we've just learned about, we've just studied, would you make it come alive in every one of our hearts? May we see the glory of our shepherd. May we trust in you, God. May we get behind you and follow you every day of our lives, trusting in your grace to keep us there, trusting that your strength will will enable us to walk to the very end. Oh, Father, thank you that you are the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep, who stands in between the sheep and the enemy, who fights for the sheep, who defends the sheep. Thank you for being our God, not just our Savior, but our shepherd. 
Father, I pray for those today that are going through the valley of the shadow of death, maybe the loss of a loved one recently, and it's hard, and it's dreary, and it's dark, and it's painful. God, would you be the God of all comfort today? Would you speak into those lives, Lord, in a way that only you can? Would you be Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace in those who are mourning? Father, I pray for those who are going through a dark season that maybe maybe it's not the shadow of death, but there's something else, and, and they might have light on the outside. I might not be able to see, but in the depths of their souls, they know it's dark. They know it's hard. They've been embarrassed to admit it because Christians aren't supposed to go through dark times. Baloney. Father, would you allow them today to turn their eyes to you, oh God. Would you allow them to feel once again your presence, God? Would they, they, they know your comfort. Would the truths, God, penetrate from their minds to their souls? And God, in the darkness, would they reach up in faith, knowing that you're reaching down, God, and you will grab their hand? Father, I pray that those going through the valley of the shadow of death today would be humble enough and open enough to get help, to get prayer and to reach out to other believers to walk them through this difficult time. Thank you, Father, that you are God, that you are God alone, and that you are God of our everything, the hills and the valleys. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.